Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Strip Back the Pages. On today's show, I will introduce you to a really fun interactive idea I have, and we will look at where people read and what type of books they prefer. Let's get into it. Before we begin, I want to take my own advice. If you remember last week, I said that if you make a mistake, you learn from it, put it right, and move on. Guess what? I made an absolute humdinger. When I was talking about Nano Rimo last week, I said it stood for the National November Writing Month. And it doesn't. Where on earth I got that from? Well, actually, I do know where I got it from. The event started in July 1999. And of course, it was then moved to November, hence the mix up. Nano Rimo is, of course, the National Novel Writing Month. So, sincere apologies to the organisers and any listeners who may have spotted that. Easy mistake to make, I guess. As I say, it's all about putting any errors right, and I'd do the same again. Anyway, the ongoing contest. I just want to again wish all you NaNoWriMo writers out there good luck with your endeavour. You can do it. You've got just over a week left, as of Wednesday the 23rd, of course. So just keep going, one word at a time. I really want to hear from you. And if I spot your name on social media, I'll very happily give you a shout-out. Again, when you win, not if... But when you win, if you'd like to come on the show and explain your journey, that would be fantastic. Just message me. In the first episode of the show, I said that I would rewrite and rework The Boy Who Cried Wolf. If you remember, we were talking about nursery rhymes, fables, and I just thought it could be a fun thing to do. More on that in a second. Here's the history behind it. According to Encyclopedia.com, Aesop, born in ancient Greece somewhere around 620 BCE, told stories of clever animals and foolish humans, and these are considered Western civilization's first morality tales. He was said to have been a slave who earned his freedom through his storytelling, and went on to serve as advisor to a king. William Caxton printed the first English translation of the fables in 1484, and this is where the phrases sour grapes and to cry wolf came into the English language. The principle behind writing The Boy Who Cried Wolf was quite simply to teach children the dangers of telling porkies, and that raising false alarms could ultimately be perilous. In a nutshell, it demonstrates that if someone regularly lies, when they tell the truth, they won't be believed. Did your mum or dad ever tell you about the boy who cried wolf? I I remember I was standing in the kitchen once. I was, what, five or six? I can't remember what it was over, but I do remember mum looking at me very sternly. She said, you can't make things up, you won't be believed. Haven't you heard about the boy who cried wolf? And of course she was right. And she told me the story. She told me all about it. A great example of how children learn by stories. And it's so important. It's important for adults to learn as well. But sometimes... So back to this idea. During an interval at one of my Elton Tribute shows, I was asked by one of the organisers that if they gave me three notes, could I come up with a tune based on them? The answer was yes. So I did it live in the next part of the show. And I wish I'd recorded it. And it's this that gave me the idea. Rather than me write a modern version as originally suggested, I thought we could make it a bit more interesting. We know the objective. To tell a tale clearly demonstrating that giving false alarms, lying in the process, isn't a very clever thing to do. This will be done step by step. It doesn't matter how long it takes, but when it's complete, I'll post it on here giving you a full audio immersive experience. And then we'll go back behind the scenes 
and just show you how it's all put together. I want this above all else to be enlightening and fun. So how should we do this? Well, I think the first thing is to establish the genre. So the choices are historical, romance, crime, sci-fi, fantasy, comedy. Nah, I somehow don't think that'll work. Children's. Well, that's been done through the original tale. Young adult. Possibly. Mythical. Or how about? <laughs> All right. So simply let me know what you think via email or Twitter and I'll put those details in the show notes and then I'll simply choose from the majority. As for the length of the work at the moment, I'm not sure. I wouldn't imagine it would be that long, but we don't know. This is what I like about this. I will be inspired by your suggestions. We could call it writing by vote. <laughs> and why not? Once the genre is established, we'll then do the same with the characters. So again... I'll ask you to write in with your suggestions. What type of character? Do we go male or female protagonist? Male or female antagonist? Who do we want as the baddie? And how evil should they get? From that I'll create a plot, write it and get to work on the production. More on this in another episode. As I say, there's no rush. We'll just take it as it comes. If you remember in episode one, we looked at why people read. And part of the list was that having just finished the book, they wanted to move on to the next in the series and follow the continuing adventures of their protagonist, as discussed with both Steph and Jess in previous episodes. As we know, a lot of people like crime novels. Why? So they can take the role of their protagonist's assistant and help solve the case. So they discover who the criminal mastermind is and why the crime or crimes were committed in the first place. Everyone loves being a sleuth, don't you? Now the question today is this. Where do you read? There are two basic possibilities, either in private or public. Let's start with public. You could read in a park. Perhaps you sit on a park bench, open a book, and immerse yourself within its pages. Libraries. Yes, it's where people went and still go to do their research. Certainly before the internet came along, but it was generally pretty quiet. You could sit peacefully and escape to wherever you wanted to be. Cafes. No, it's not as quiet, but you can still lose yourself in a good book. The beauty of reading, or indeed listening to an audiobook or drama, is that you can switch off whatever's going on around you. You're in a different world. And it's that world we escape to that authors love to create. Buses. I've seen a lot of people reading on those, and trains, not forgetting commercial aircraft, of course. But for me, there's just so much commotion and hustle and bustle, even when you're travelling distance. Plus, of course, you need to be ready to get off, as far as buses and trains are concerned, anyway. So for me, that doesn't work. But good for those who can do that. We could spend hours listing the various places we could read in public, so that's just a taster. Now, Private reading. So by private reading, I mean you're alone somewhere. The first obvious place is the car. So you could be waiting for somebody who's gone to the shops, hospital, doctors, dentists, waiting to pick someone up from the railway station, airport, virtually anywhere. You've got your book with you, you pick it up and read it. 
it's a good place for reading. Right, you're home. You've either got the place to yourself or there's other people around in different rooms. Here's a variety of places you can read. Let's start downstairs. There's the kitchen. Yes, a lot of people have obviously got their recipe books that they use for cooking. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking fiction. Or non-fiction for that matter. You know, there's something you want to do or there's something you're learning and you want to see how it's done. You'll be picking the book up while, I don't know, something's cooking slowly in the pan. Why are you waiting for the microwave to go bing? There's a whole host of different things you could be doing in the kitchen and just pick the book up. So there's one room. The obvious, living room. So everyone else is either out or they're in a different room. No TV on, you pick your book up and enjoy. Now if the TV is on, I find it really difficult to read. But saying that, I can listen to an audiobook. Just put the headphones in. Unless there's music playing. And then it's just, <laughs> forget it. So if it's a regular programme, what do you call a regular programme these days? But basically, if it's mainly spoken word and the volume isn't set too loud, then the headphones, as long as they're set at a reasonable level, will just completely take out those other sound sources. So where else is there? How about the dining room? When you've got a really good book, or, yeah, audio drama, audio book, you can't put it down. So even if you've only got a few minutes between laying the table, helping dish up, wash up, I'd often go back and sit down at the table for a few minutes and carry on reading or listening if it was an audiobook. Right, so unless you live in a bungalow, let's head upstairs. Now, the stairs. There's a great one. I remember as a kid going upstairs or being told to go upstairs to bed <laughs> and I'd, I'd have my book with me. So when the coast was clear, I'd creep back to the top of the stairs so I could listen to what was going on in the living room, particularly when mum and dad had guests, and at the same time read. Now I learnt early on, as all children do, to have plan B. And it was this. So you're sent up to bed, but you don't want to get asleep. Now it's no good leaving the bedroom light on because mum and dad see the light and it's back upstairs and oi, get your lights off and go to sleep. So... This is where every child's favourite device comes in extremely useful. The torch. <laughs> You've all done it. Come on. Every single person listening must have done this. So you get your torch under the covers, get the book, covers over you, torch on, and read to your heart's content. Who hasn't done that? And then, of course, as you grow up and you want a bit of quiet time, yes, you go to your bedroom and read. And a lot of people, before they go to sleep, they'll read for a bit. Right, the next room, the bathroom. Now come on, who hasn't read in the bath? I think probably everyone has, men and women alike. And where else have they read? Say no more. So that concludes the private areas of where we read. Next is our favourite genres. What I'm going to do over the coming weeks is get along to some bookshops and charity shops to get a feel for the types of books people are buying and with charity shops returning because obviously they're reading the books and then taking them to the charity shops so somebody else can enjoy them. A lot of people do this. But what are the most popular genres taken there? 
Well, we're going to find out. For now, according to online sources, here's a reminder of the most popular. So we kick off with romance. Then you've got crime, mystery, thrillers and suspense, sci-fi, fantasy, other very popular genres as self-help, religion and spirituality. Young adults, of course. And obviously this list varies depending on where you look, which is why I want to go out and do my own research, albeit relatively locally, but you know. Once I've spoken to a few people, I think I will do a full episode on genre. I mean, there's such a huge variety. Coming up over the next few episodes, I've got some more guests that I'm really looking forward to speaking to, including a book review from the wonderful Steph Goodacre. We've got Christine Phillips coming back on to tell us more about how she actually wrote the book. It's really fascinating. Plus, of course, some more insight behind it. And to conclude, before Christmas, we've got Jess Haynes. We're talking more about Victorian times around a certain Christmas story. I'm not going to tell you which one, but I'm sure it will definitely put us in the Christmas spirit. I can't believe we're just over four weeks away from that season of goodwill to all. Have you got your decorations up yet? And have you finished your Christmas shopping? Me? Not quite. Rest assured these questions will continue over the coming weeks, along with a few Christmas tales. So that's it for this week. Don't forget to let me know which genre you think would suit my revised version of The Boy Who Cried Wolf. And I'll be looking out for those of you who smashed the Nano Rymo 50,000 word challenge. You can contact me by either emailing stripbackthepages at gmail.com or tweeting me at stripbackpages. For now, have a fantastic week and thank you for listening. Until next time, this is NJ, your host, signing off. Thank you.